Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and I'm not going to lie to you. This is like the 10th time I've tried to record this intro. I'm just, I just sit in the front room of our house where there's a big old window, and I just look out the window and get very, very easily distracted. Like, There's like someone walking their dog right now. And I'm like, what kind of dog is that? It doesn't matter. I don't need to know. You don't need to know. Anyway, if you're new here, I'm so happy you dropped in. You know, every week we love to take the stories and the experiences of those around us, or maybe your stories and experiences, and we share them. And we say, guess what? You're not the first or only person to walk through a season like this. And then we take it a step further and we hope to and aim to equip you in whatever you're walking through. Because if if you can speak out of a place of experience, man, when you share that, you're making someone else feel way less isolated, right? You're making that road feel a little less lonely. So that's what we're trying to do. And we get to do it in person now. So the last Thursday of every month here in Knoxville, where we're based out of, we gather at a local coffee shop, Backroads Coffee for the Collective. And this is for women who are just in the pursuit of the more Jesus has for them. You know that restless feeling that I just think there's got to be more to it than this? Okay, so what if we answered that restlessness with what Jesus would want us to run toward, what he wants us to lean toward, right? What kind of difference would that make on behalf of his kingdom? And so every month we gather together and we talk about it and we're slowly and intentionally building this kingdom because I'm a zero to a hundred kind of girl right? Like when I'm in, I'm running through a wall. But what I've learned about community is it's a slow build. What I've learned about his kingdom is we all have a part in it. And sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out what your part is, right? Like, how do I lean into what he has gifted me to do? How do I even figure out what that might be? And then how do I utilize it? Well, let's gather up women who are trying to do the same thing. And let's cheer each other on. Let's push each other toward that more. This Thursday in particular, February 24th, guys, I don't have a calendar in front of me. I'm really nervous. I'm saying the wrong date. It's the last Thursday of February. Okay. So this Thursday, we're going to hang out there. We're going to talk about the realities of relationships because that's the series that we're in the middle of. And I handpicked this panel based on every season, right? So I tried to think about the hearts in various seasons. So maybe you're single. The one has not come along, right? Maybe you've been waiting a long time or maybe maybe you're in a relationship with the one and you know, wait, he's not the one. Maybe you're in a broken relationship. Maybe you just left one. Maybe you've been married a long time. Or maybe you're, you know, like me, like 10 years in and you're still trying to figure it out. And so we have someone who's been married 30 years who's going to sit down and say, hey, here's what I wish I would have figured out. Maybe you're carrying some shame and some guilt and you don't know how that translates into deepening a relationship, whatever it might be. We're talking about it Thursday, 630 at Backroads Market. And man, do I love being face to face with you all. I would love to have you there. For now, today, my friend Brooke Phillips. Ooh, guys, this is good. Okay, I send questions beforehand to most guests. And I'm like, okay, these are more so for me than for you. But I can trace rabbits. So this just keeps me on track on topic telling the story. Um, I would say seven minutes in, we are deep, my friends, like, the vulnerability and the honesty that Brooke brings to this conversation, it's so valuable. So if you've had some brokenness in your life, if you've tried to restore a relationship, but you didn't know where to start, 
if you honestly, if you think, okay, I've made some decisions that aren't great and I don't know how to keep going forward, Brooke talks about the way forward. And I can't wait for you to be a part of this conversation. I'm going to I'm going to hit that record button which always makes everyone really nervous, Brooke. Okay. But you know what? Me too. This- and I told you about this stage fright <laughs> thing I got going on. The good news is we get to sit in your beautiful kitchen <laughs> and I get to look around and think my house needs an upgrade. <laughs> no, while we do not. this, it absolutely <laughs> does. The I have yet yeah. No, I decorated Ryan and I, when we first got married, we moved into an 800 square foot house mm-hmm. in like deep South Knoxville yeah. by a cemetery. I used to run in the cemetery like a weirdo, but we, we moved in and I decorated that house and I painted every room a different color. So okay. I didn't understand the concept of like fluidity in a home. I just liked bright colors. So the yeah. front room was like just the most simple. It was just that beige color, but then you go into the dining room. It was coral. Yeah just coral b-board like uh-huh. just bright as can be you go in the kitchen next it's yellow bright yellow yeah. you go in the guest room it was green I <laughs> you love it. the bedroom and it was blue and I remember Ryan's mom being like are you are you sure and I'm like yeah I love these these are my favorite color yeah, so we're gonna paint walls uh-huh. that color right mm-hmm. and so then we moved into our second house and I have a great friend who just has a good eye you just need a friend with a good yes. eye and I was like here is a key to my home Here's a budget, please, please. And so I, I don't decorate homes anymore. I just let <laughs> my people in my life who are much better oh, at <laughs> That's so great. Oh, gosh. But I love going into really unique because I'm like, oh, this just tells me so much about who they are. You definitely knew who I was when yeah. you walked into mm-hmm. that house. You definitely were Those like. Those are my favorite spaces. <laughs> I, I remember a friend of mine came in and she was like, Kelly, it's really homey. And that's all I wanted. I wanted. Yeah people to walk in and be like, I can, I can sit here for yes. a little while. I like it here. Yeah. But those were the days, you know, when you first get married and you don't have any money. And Mm-mm. I remember we went to estate sales. Oh yeah. I spent a whole summer just going to estate yes, sales. Yes, you did. Yep. And buying like what I thought we would need. Well, right? I tell everybody when they walk into my house, I'm like, welcome to my thrift store. <laughs> Still. <laughs> Is that, where do like, you find, guys, I want, I can't describe to you all the beauty of this home, like the, just the way she has it situated and the light and the windows, but I'm curious where you find, these are unique pieces that you have in here. Yeah, I think probably, I mean, I am a picker and I'm a decorator because I'm a picker. So okay. that came first, mm-hmm. I think. And, and just like you, we, you know, got married I was 18. Oh, wow. And my husband was several years older than me. We had no money. And, and you know, back in the day, we I grew up in East Tennessee in Strawberry Plains. And my dad renovated this house for like years and years growing up. And it was never done, ever. Yeah. And so my room, I mean, the first ca- cash I made, I went out and bought an antique Really? And I started decorating, and my mom had white walls when they were not cool and still has the same home interior today that she did way back when. She committed, and I respect that. She know? sure did. But I just, it was a thing. Like, I was obsessed with making my space beautiful. And so, I, yeah, I mean, we got married, and we had no money, and I'm just like, well, by gosh, I'm going to have a beautiful house. I, it doesn't matter what, yeah. what it takes, you know. I just started going to yard sales and thrift mm-hmm. stores. And it was the thrill of the hunt was just, 
exhilarating for me. I did love that. That was my favorite thing about estate sales because I just, I love estate sales. They're a little creepy because, you know, you're just, yeah, you're, you're going through people, someone's, someone's life. life. And I'm always like, there's yes. some sadness always associated yes. for me when I walk into someone's home and I'm like, is this how they imagined their things, you know, mm-hmm. just to be mm-hmm. out here? That was always tough for me. Yeah. And it's also, I think a little bit, you know, the fact that those things aren't treasured or passed down mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. I think is sad sometimes. But but then on the other side of it, you're giving it a new, new life, life and, you know, a new home and you're treasuring it, which I think is also great. There was this one lamp. I forgot about it, but it was probably, it was very retro, right? And I found it at this estate sale and I thought it was awesome because I just never seen a lamp. So it was a tall standing lamp. And I think, I hope we have a picture of it somewhere because Ryan and I have never argued about something as much as we argued about this lamp, right? So it had like two arms that came out of it that just curved out from either side of it at different um, heights, right? So Uh like a tall lamp and about like three fourths of the way up, it curved out. And then at the top, it curved out and it had these huge white ornate like balls with, with the light pole, with the light bulb inside them. So different heights, oh these goodness. were ornate like globes hanging off of them. Yes. And I was like, and it was gold. It was gold yes. and the globes were white. And Ryan was gone because he was in Memphis when we were dating and engaged. And so I was just picking things that I yeah. wanted. Like he yeah. didn't really, yeah. he didn't have much that he could pick and get. And he comes home and sees this lamp. He's and he like, was like, what are you going to do with it? I was like, I'm going to paint it and it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And he was like, painting, it's not going to help it. Like, you don't <laughs> understand. This is an ugly lamp. I was oh, like, no, no, no. Goodness. And I took it. I put it in our first house in the living room. It was the first thing you saw when you walked in our house. And Ryan was like, we have got, we are, I'm not kidding. We argued. And I don't know where that lamp is. I think my friend who came in to decorate snuck it away. I really uh, did. Oh, Because now, I, yeah, because now I look back and I'm like, where'd that lamp go? And I, <laughs> I think she hit it. I think she took it and oh hit it. Oh my so goodness. It exists. But I can see things and be like, I like that. I'm drawn to that. But I never know what to do with it. It's yeah. always my problem. I yeah. Can't. Framing has helped me do that. Like I try not to have a lot of tchotchkes or just things mm-hmm. sitting around. I bought these spoons behind you in New York and I just thought they were so cool. And they're and in just, a frame. I just put them in a frame. So I really think home should tell a story mm-hmm. about where people have been and the life they've lived. And and so, you know, creating art that's not purchased but but collected, mm-hmm. I think is really important. And And it's lovely. I mean, I don't know that that ever goes out of style in my heart. It wouldn't yeah. matter who liked it or who didn't. I love it because it's a memory that I've That's made. what I was going to say. It's the memory that comes to mind yeah. when you see these different pieces. Well, and then your home never really goes out of style. Mm. You know, if you need to upgrade a sofa because a kid's thrown up on it or whatever, you know, Story or, of life. Do- mm. right? mm. or dogs or, you know, just the things that make sofas need to be upgraded. <laughs> That's fine. You can do that and kind of, and you can change the paint. But I really try to steer people away from this idea that they have to redecorate Mm -hmm. every how many ever months or years, because if things really mean something, it never goes out of style to you. You'll always want it. And yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like my lamp. 
But, oh. You know, Brooke, it wasn't going to go out of style. I didn't need the shame in my life no. that everyone brought. Okay. Oh that goodness. was a beautiful lamp. And oh my gosh. And it's, who knows where it is now? It's probably, you know. Somebody else is loving on that I'm, thing. I'm, I'm going to have to text sure her and it. ask her, what'd you do with my lamp? Because I forgot about it. You did such a beautiful job in my home. I forgot about the ugly lamp. Now I want it back. But we talked a little bit already about, you know, meeting your husband, getting married young. Mm-hmm. Tell a little more of your backstory. So I met Dan and he was coaching football at Carson Newman and doing some youth ministry. My mom, she was like, you've got to go hear this guy speak at Buffalo Baptist Church. (laughs) And I'm like, mom, what does Buffalo Baptist Church have to offer me? She had taken my brother and sister to the youth ministry. Back then, there weren't youth ministries. And so Mm -hmm. this you know, big thing happening. It it was like the talk of the town, you know? And she's like, you've got to go hear this guy speak. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And she said, well, he's a football coach at Carson Newman, but he brings the football team to be care leaders in this ministry. And I'm like, oh. That changes things a little bit. Well, okay. I guess I could check it out. (laughs) You talked me into it. Right. (laughs) The Lord has spoken. Right. The spirit has moved. I'm going. Sure has. (laughs) So I did. Having no, I mean, like the football team, I was not opposed to. So anyway, we met in October of 98 and were married in August of 99. And we drove to Florida the day after our wedding for a job that he took. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. How long were you down there? We were in Florida for 13 years. Okay. And we raised our kids there. And oh my goodness, the story I don't know many stories as painful as ours. My husband had experienced severe abuse and trauma as a child that he was never able to really deal with Mm -hmm. until later in life. Abuse in every imaginable way. Mm. And and living in that fishbowl of a situation tends to kind of put a pressure that eventually just kind of erupts. Mm -hmm. And so, so that happened. And in our lives. So, I mean, ministry continued to Mm -hmm. evolve over those years and get more demanding. And his choice of what I call buffering or coping was working and being a a wonderful pastor who everyone idolized, everyone but his family. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's easier to be wonderful for people who don't know you. And so, you know, he resigned our church and... God absolutely shut everything in our life down. Mm -hmm. I mean, we lost everything. Mm. When I say everything, I mean, our story was so, it was very public, newspapers, Mm -hmm. the whole bit. We lost our home, our cars, our property. But God just said, we're shutting this thing down. And you're going to get eye to eye with me or you won't make it. And, Mm -hmm. And so we entered into a very intense recovery program, was inpatient for a month, and then four years of group therapy that was three times a week and individual therapy. Did you say four years? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That is intensive. Mm -hmm. That season for you all, Brooke, I mean, even your, first of all, a newlywed and you get in the car and you move to somewhere that you've never been. Yeah. Right. You've never lived there. You're literally starting all over and you're trying to build a marriage as well mm-hmm. as build a, a job, a career, a mm-hmm. calling out. And when you look back in those first couple years, what are some things that stick out to you now that maybe you're like, man, if I could go back, I might've done that a little different. Yeah. 
you know, and the it was interesting. You know, I'm almost 42, and I was, goodness, I was so young. And the things people told me, oh, my goodness, it, it was so damaging. Mm. And I think I, I would like to talk about, like, how to reframe the things people do tell. Like, sure, I had a pastor's wife look at me and tell me, Brooke, you never tell anyone your business. Mm. And I'm an A-plus girl. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. I can do that. And when you're 18, you just don't, you just yeah, want, you, you want to be told you, what yeah, to do. You want to be told mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. God forbid someone not approve mm-hmm. of your choices or there's risk involved. What I wish I think someone had said to me is that it's not your perfection that anybody needs in the world. It's not your put togetherness. It's not your achievement. It is someone being able to look at you and just say me too Mm -hmm. oh my goodness I feel that too Mm -hmm. I have those thoughts Mm -hmm. it is our humanity that draws us to each other and connects us and makes life worthwhile it's that that brokenness that Mm -hmm. spilled out that builds relationships that make life worth living Mm -hmm. It's not the isolation and the having everything together. You know, I've got this. Mm -hmm. The picture that you paint. That Mm -hmm. you paint. Mm -hmm. And so I was so good at painting pictures and, you know, holding my vulnerability. And and, I mean, to the point that my children, I, I think about, you know, their life in the early years, you know, compared to now and even what that meant for them, you know. Mm and how they dress, the fights that I fought over every little thing, because even, you know, their behavior was tied to me. I had Mm -hmm. a woman tell me, God will never bless your ministry if you don't have control over your children's behavior. What I get stuck on, Brooke, is the freedom people feel to say those things. (laughs) You know, I mean, just the freedom they feel to, to make that assessment. And how much those words, I mean, think about how many years later is it? And they're still, now you have a better perspective right, of them. Right. Right. But I've redefined them. Yeah. And I, but, but for years, they won't ever go. Exactly. They're always going to be stuck in yeah. your head. Yeah. And now you want to be maybe the one that says the opposite of that. But for years, right. it defined how you approach oh, parenting because of a passing comment. Yes. And if that doesn't speak to the weight of words, of words, yeah. either face to face spoken or typed out and sent. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else will. I mean, these are the things that are shaping how you approach every area of life. Yeah. If you're not careful, especially for those of us, I'm a, I'm a pleaser. And so if I see it or hear it, I'm like, well, I got to do that, I guess. Well, and I just wish someone would have said, Brooke, we're all bad and good moms. Mm-hmm. We're bad and good. Mm-hmm. We're the hero and the villain in our own story. And when, you know, the scripture that talks about loving your neighbor as yourself that scripture and the meaning behind it is love your neighbor because you are him. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Like that's what the actual meaning is. You are him given the right cocktail of circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's why we can't sit in judgment on other people's lives or choices because we don't know what we would do mm-hmm. if that were us. And the definition I think of loving our neighbor is just seeing them from that perspective that could be me i should have all kinds of grace because we're we're bad and good dark and light Mm -hmm. they it all 
resides in us and will rear its head or flow at different times. The truth of it is how easily the circumstance can change. Yes. How easily you might find yourself in a similar. Oh, my goodness. Surrounding with the same circumstance, same situation. But again, it lays value to the story that God's shaping in your life. Of yes. These are things you might come across someone else walking through. And it goes back to your original point of if we more so just said, here is what is heavy for me right now. Here's the hard part. Here's yeah. what I feel like I am doing terrible at right yeah. now. Then that humanity and that vulnerability is what ties us, is yes. what builds that community that it a lot does. of times we ache for, but don't know how to build. We don't know how to build. We don't yeah. know how to go after. But when you look back on that season too, I mean, I know there there are definitely highs and lows to any marriage, to any any relationship period, not just marriage. There mm-hmm. are the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows of it. But when you look at the brokenness and then, okay, this was broken. We're going to lean into healing. What did it look like to say, you know, I'm carrying a lot of hurt right now. Yeah. I have a lot of deep pain right now, Mm -hmm. but I know there's more on the other side of this. So I'm going to be in pursuit of that. Yeah, I think, and this is something that I will probably struggle with until I see Jesus. But Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to take people's actions, behaviors, and make them mean one thing. Mm -hmm. another like it would be easy to say okay I've been betrayed or I have betrayed someone therefore it means he doesn't love me or yes I've been a bad mom at times therefore I am a bad mom so allowing this internal grace and compassion for yourself first and others I think the degree of which we judge another person, it's its what we're experiencing in our own mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. towards ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so, okay, we've experienced betrayal. It doesn't mean my husband doesn't love me. It means he's got a broken, broken past that has not been processed and dealt with. And that is on him to heal. And we may or may not walk that out together in marriage. But now... And I know it just sounds so simple. It's not. It's excruciating mm-hmm. to stay with someone in the pain and not internalize that behavior is the hardest thing, mm-hmm. I believe, in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, but even like with my kid's behavior, okay, my kid made a bad decision. I can either make that mean I'm a bad mom or something I've done has caused that whatever, or I can say, nope, I'm a bad and a good mom. Mm-hmm. And their decisions are part of their own journey. Mm-hmm. And if I'm still learning really hard lessons at 42, then they're probably going to learn really hard mm-hmm. lessons. And the other thing too, is that it was those seasons of extreme pain that made me a person that I wanted to know before mm-hmm. that. I don't think I would have wanted to know me or be in relationship with me. I could have admired me mm-hmm. from afar, but I wouldn't have wanted to know me in a friendship or in a way that was a community-oriented relationship. It was it was that pain. And then since then, decisions that I've made that have wounded my husband deeply, it was being exposed to my own darkness that... It, it just makes me a person that is capable of compassion. Because again, that's me. Mm. 
I mean, it's me. And so knowing, I think that, okay, on the other side of this, there's going to be a human that I can be proud to be or that I, I would want to know. Why do you think it is, you know, you said it was that pain that made me someone that I would want to know, someone that I would want to lean into with. Why do you think it so often takes that? It I takes suffering. It takes pain to to really be what chips away at us the most. And, and part of that's probably just living in a fallen world where yeah. these are the things that happen to, to sanctify and, yeah. and build. But I just, I think that phrase will stick to me as it may, it made me someone that I would want to know someone that yeah. I would want to get to know, because before that it's really when you can hold everyone on the surface and just give them what you want them to see, mm-hmm. you'll truly never be known, Mm-mm. not the way you want to be, but you'll have a lot of people who know of you. Right. And I guess that's nice sometimes, but when you're laying in bed at night, it's not enough. Trying to go to sleep. It's yeah. not enough. It's not enough to get through this world mm-hmm. with just surface relationships. Because this it, it is fallen and mm-hmm. it is hard. And we need deep connections with other human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is the healing for addictions. It is community is the healing. Yeah. People relationships, mm-hmm. valuable mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Florida, everything falling apart. Everything falling apart. Yeah. Loss. You know that God's like, we're just, this is a screeching halt right here. Yep. We're stopping. Yeah. And we're going to sit eye to eye for a little while mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're going to start over, start from scratch. Mm-hmm. What did that look like to start from scratch, to start over? Yeah. So <laughs> this is just, I, I, I feel like it's a little kitschy, but sometimes because we're human and Theoretical things don't always translate to how we can walk something out. And when you're when you're in relationship with someone who's experienced extreme trauma, oftentimes they are not able to access their emotions. And so I used to tell people, you know, Dan and I, we would we had this extreme spiritual connection and extreme physical connection, but we're triune being, right? We're body, mind, and spirit. But his emotional side was never accessible. And so we had to learn to connect on that level. And there was a tool that we were given called Phanos, where every day we would sit with each other. And this was kind of a time where it wasn't about solving problems. It was just about hearing. So we would tell each other how we were feeling. I'm feeling whatever, happy, sad, anxious. Again, not to be fixed or repaired just to share an affirmation. So I affirm you for X, Y, Z, a need, whether or not it can be met. My need may be, I really need to get the house picked up because I'm feeling anxiety over that, or I really need some time alone. You know, again, it's not about the other person meeting that need. It's just, this is a safe space. Mm -hmm. Own, meaning I need to own this. You know, I lost it for whatever I had this thought and then share or at the time you know it I mean it could be something happened and I in my day and you know I don't quite know how to process this or whatever but it's just a time to share so Thanos was something that we did every day and those conversations that are that bare and 
vulnerable can be volatile Mm -hmm. because we want to repair that in a person. But because that was off the table, it was just this time where, okay, I see you maybe for the first time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was probably the first time. I remember Dan telling me early in our marriage, well, I'm sorry you think you're feeling that way, but I don't know if feelings are real. Because he had just bottled them and for so long, it was his only survive. It was his way to survive. So yeah, we did that for every day for years. And even now, if we're having a day or a moment where we're just feeling disconnected, Mm -hmm. we're not connected, I'll say, can we just do Thanos? That vulnerability without defense is just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Because instinctually, I am a fixer, right? Mm-hmm. If anyone brings me, I've had to learn probably in the past year, if any of friends, Ryan, anyone brings me a problem, I don't have to give them solutions. Right. They A lot of times they're probably not even coming to me for a solution. <laughs> I was reading something and it was when someone comes to you in your life and they present a problem or something that's heavy on them, give them options. Do you want me to help you solve it? Number one. Yeah. Do you want me to just listen? Or do you want me to give you space? Like which you pick, Mm because I'll do any of those. I'm Mm -hmm. on board for any of them. You tell me what you need in this space in this Mm -hmm. moment. And it does lower those kind of conversations, lower those defenses, because Mm -hmm. as soon as Ryan tries to fix something with me, I'm like, well, you think I'm broken? I'm not telling you this because I'm broken. (laughs) You know, like the defensiveness comes up. Or, well, so I did quickly. this because, you know. Yeah, like, let me give you the reasons right. I feel or think this right. or did this right. or or yeah. whatever. I said this to a friend of mine who had to do, um, she had to get on stage for something several weeks ago, and it's always scary. I mean, you said, you know, stage fright, but it's always scary when you have to stand in front of people and say something that matters, right? Yeah. And I said, pressure has this way of stealing joy. Mm-hmm. It just has this way of pressing in, and you no longer have joy in what you're doing mm-hmm. because it's been replaced by the pressure of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And these conversations where the pressure's removed. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's how you rebuild joy and how yes. you get back to ha- having joy in what you're doing well, and who you're with. Yeah, absolutely. And just approaching, I think, relationships from this place of instead of why did that why did you do this? I don't understand of just curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Help me to understand you and and even recently there was something that was happening he was just having a really really bad day and his reactions weren't matching the situation and I just said to him I said babe you know I I want to know why not so I can tell you why you shouldn't feel this way even though it was definitely out of proportion even though I want to tell you why you shouldn't right feel this way. <laughs> but I want to know why because I just I'm curious. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I want to meet you there. I want to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he wasn't at that time able to share with me, mm-hmm. but it diffused some of the tension. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tension there. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. That pressure being taken off of mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. like there's no pressure. And those are the just easiest curiosity. relationships to have. Mm. I mean, aren't those the ones you love the most? Yes. Where you're just sitting and you're like, I have no yes. expectations of you. You have none of me. Yes. And that's not even, I mean, those are friendships too. Like yes. any relationships, those are the best ones. hundred percent. Where it's like, we're just hanging out. And if we want to talk about something, we can. If we don't, if we just want to shoot no, the breeze, we can do that yeah, too. Yeah, we can do that too. And there's no, I mean, I think expectations are a huge source of just 
failed joy. Like it, it just, it, it's, they're, it's joy robbing, mm-hmm. I think, to have an expectation on something that we have absolutely no control over. And those negative and toxic emotions that come as a result of failed expectations, they don't hurt that other person. They just hurt us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's in our body that we're feeling the frustration. It doesn't do anything mm-hmm. for them. So what did it, what did it look like, feel like? circumstances around when you all kind of started hoping again, you know, like when you kind of started seeing there's another side, we're starting to see those lights, we're starting to move toward that. Mm -hmm. And then kind of started dreaming again and, and thinking through, okay, what could be for us now? Yeah, I think a huge part of that was our recovery community, because there was so much shame was kind of dispelled from our situation. Mm -hmm. And when the shame goes away, then it really leaves room for a lot of hope because that is who our God is. It is what his business is. He is a redeemer. He brings things to life that were dead. He, I mean, that mm-hmm. is the story mm-hmm. is that he's always turning. I call it the upside down ways of God. The very thing that you think will be used against you will be for your favor. Mm-hmm. This life is rigged in your favor. But that can only happen without shame. And so I I think that was huge for us. So for anyone who maybe craves that authentic community, I mean, you've had to build it multiple times. I mean, especially right. you think, okay, in Florida, you had it, but then you moved back to Tennessee again. Absolutely. And it took us several tries too. It didn't happen easily for us. But ultimately, we also knew that it was up to us. Again, failed expectations on other people don't really help us at all. So we had to create that. So we started a small group. That small group, shoot, I mean, we moved in 2013. So almost 10 years ago, we moved back to Knoxville. And that small group carried on for seven years. We're still meeting with some of them for family dinners on Sunday nights. But it came as we made the conscious choice to create that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't sit around and complain that it didn't exist. I think, and that's what's easy to do. And it also, it's a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. to sit and be like, well, I don't have any community. No one, yeah. no one wants it with me. No one's reaching out. And you have this hole and this desire and this ache for someone to know you, right? For other people to really know you, Mm -hmm. but you don't do anything to pursue it. I think that will always be a tension, especially as you lean into adulthood. Oh, for sure. I think I say it all the time. One of the most commonly asked questions that we get at the podcast is how do you, how do you find friends as an adult? How do you, right? Like how do you find, or even once you're out of college, how do you find someone that you want to marry when there's, how do you, how do you even find it? Where do you look? You know? And I mean, it's one of those gaping holes. I think you feel a lot in your mid to late Mm twenties. How do I find my people? Yeah. And so what did it look like though, for you all to keep showing up and to be like, okay, it didn't work here. I mean, you said there's failed attempts. There are going to be failed Mm -hmm. attempts, but it doesn't mean every attempt is going to fail. Right. Yeah. Well, what we did is our church at the time, they had this kind of small group mixer. Mm -hmm. So we volunteered to be small group leaders and we stood up and it was literally one of those things where all the small group leaders stood at the front of the church 
and people just chose who like they felt. Yep. Yep. It was like an interview. I have done that before. And I was like, I feel like I'm on a dating show right now. Oh, yeah, and for I'm sure. like, who's going to come mm-hmm. to my table? Does anyone want to come to sure. my table? Uh-huh. Yes. And we were supposed to be young marrieds. But then we had we had this a couple of gals who came up and they were in college and they were like, we're not married, but we just really like you guys and want to be in your group. And so we were like, well, yes, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that group has just been so integral in our life here in Knoxville but also I think opening our our mind about who that is do you know how many times I've thought I want to be in the cool kids group with my kids parents yeah Yeah. but I'm not yeah it wasn't found in a in the spot that I wanted it to be in Mm -hmm. and still sometimes isn't Mm -hmm. but it was found in this little motley crew of young married couples Mm -hmm. and unmarried in people whose heartbeats just matched ours Mm -hmm. but it spans ages and generations like it's not always lined up the way we think it will be lined up but we you know we found it this was a really great conversation i mean it i think we could have kept talking but we both had places that we had to be but There's another 30-minute portion that we're going to bring you next week in part two of Realities of Relationships when it's not what you thought. I hope you'll come back around because Brooke gets really practical. She talks about what it was like to kind of turn, turn it around, to go a new direction, some of the advice she got and how she kept going even on the days that she didn't really feel like it. I would love to see you back here next Monday.